you are listening to Oversubscribed with Jason L. Baptiste and Ben Parr. Episode 10, February 22nd, 2016. In this week's episode, we discuss Apple and its new products, Hulk Hogan versus Gawker, and Twitter's 10th anniversary. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Oversubscribed with Jason L. Baptiste and Ben Parr. Jason, welcome back. Hello. How's everybody doing? <laughs> you say that every single time, and I feel like a few of the people who are listening will just reply something back in air, and no one I will hear so. them. I hope so. I hope so. Reply back on Twitter, Jason L. Baptiste at Ben Parr. Why don't we just drive into it, because we have some very interesting topics. Um, Two big topics. So let's start with Apple, because um, we're recording this just after the Apple event and our reactions, and we're at that raw stage. Uh, so you and I both watched uh, part or all of the Apple event. What did you think? So there's two ways you can look at it. Uh, one is we knew everything in advance. It was a smaller event. So I think actually like the expectations were set not to be amazed, um, but even with that, it's, it's tough to not feel disappointed because you wanted something new and exciting. And I think, like, my two takeaways are actually some pretty amazing products. I don't need a 4-inch iPhone if I did. It's an awesome 4-inch phone. I definitely want the new iPad. I've been waiting to get a new one. This is the right upgrade. It's the right price. But I think what's missing to me is a lot of just kind of the secrecy and allure. It seems like everything just gets leaked now. and They're not even trying. They, they admitted it. They're like... As you know, as you may have heard, it's called the iPhone SE. Like, really? I, I, I don't know. I miss the spectacle and surprise of what's supposed to come. That was part of the Apple allure, and that was part of it why was. you tuned in for these events, because you wanted to learn the secrets of these new products. Remember what they did to keep the iPad secret, the original? Oh, they, my God. They bolted, <clears throat> and I have friends telling me, they literally bolted... Uh, iPads to like the tables that for the few developers who got to use it in like specific dark rooms and no and specific special access crazy things to keep it secret just insane but that yeah. made for the lore and made it interesting we heard about almost everything there's a few little cool additions um but yeah it's most I made a couple twitter polls and I said were you excited were you bored were you happy or were you disappointed and the majority of people said they were bored yeah, it was just like the clapping felt forced in many ways. It's just like you could see like, all right, we're so excited to announce blah, blah, blah. Like, well, that's Everybody loves it. that phrase in tech. It's like, we're so excited. I'm so happy to announce. Could not be more proud. Like, it just feels like too rehearsed. Well, that's also what happens when you're in the, app, the small Apple uh, theater, which I've been in to cover Apple launches and Attenigate years ago. It's just small. They put in a few Apple employees and they put a bunch of press. Press aren't supposed to clap. It's so different when you have, say, WWDC. Yeah. And that's when everyone's clapping and that's when you put the biggest things and you go into the details of iOS and other things. Like the 4-inch iPhone, it's for certain people. Not for me. I like mine bigger, you know. But it was it was a necessary addition to the line. I think I was more excited for uh, 9.3, for iOS 9.3, for things like uh, night, the night shift and the yeah. the color shifting. Now, let's be clear, 
it's totally inspired by Flux, which is a great app for Mac for adjusting light based on time of day. But this is kind of as my as Brad Hunstable of Ustream was saying to me on Twitter. This is the sort of thing you do if you're a platform. You take the best elements and you incorporate them into your products. Yeah, it's one of that. As an entrepreneur, you should just know like don't create anything that's too core to the platform. And you can bitch and you can complain, but it's you know what their goal is to make everything great and the best possible out there. So I I don't know. I don't feel any remorse for. For Flux, I think it's a great feature. People have been beta testing it for a while. I'm, I'm actually really excited about the display on the uh, on the new iPad Pro 9.7 inch. It sounds like it'll be better at the beach. It'll be better reading in bed. So kind of the, the rule I have for myself in the house is no laptop, no phone in the bedroom. Um, basically, like no notifications of any kind. So I only have an iPad in there with every notification turned off. So email, text message, Slack, you name it. And I just kind of use it to like relax, read before bed, watch movies. Um, and I, I think it'll be nice to have a better display. I'm, I'm sad that they promoted taking photos with your iPad as a thing. Uh, just, I know. Uh, there's just going to be so many more uh, people doing that. You, like, I walk by Lombard Street. Um, the big windy street in San Francisco, and you just see people with the giant iPads. I mean, it's more Asian tourists for whatever reason, um, but it's just – anyway, that's just the right thing. I, I mean, uh, you'll see it. tourists do it all the time. I used to live right across from where the World Trade Center used to be, and it was just like you could spot the tourists a mile away. It's like I, I don't get it. It's like do people think it takes better pictures or what? Like what's the logic? Uh, what do you, do you think of the – Apple, how about the Apple Pencil? Is that, it, it, does that excite you at all as an iPad user? It, so it doesn't me personally because I, I can't draw for shit. Um, but for somebody who draws and does does work with a pencil where they need that fine tuning, I bet that's got to be something really cool. So I, what was interesting to me was like seeing how it's getting closer to a laptop. I mean, it was weird that he said, oh, there's now a USB adapter where you can even connect an Ethernet port to your iPad. And it's like, Okay, um, sure. I, so I think you know the pencil is interesting, um, but you it know, sounds like they're going after the Microsoft audience more and more. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft, Microsoft really, really did a good job there with the with the Surface. It seems. Well, I think it's both the Surface and they're going after PCs in general. It's to me, it's not a replacement for a PC, but. I think for maybe regular mom and pops, you could replace their PC with an iPad Pro and it'd be just fine. So here's like here's the bigger issue to me. It's just like the confusion <clears throat> that Apple has in their lines. So if you go to the website and look at iPad, um, iPad Pro, iPad Air 2, iPad Mini 4, iPad Mini 2, like you really don't need all those things in different screen sizes. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if they need iPad Air 2, to be frank. I think they just need, like the laptops, the Air and the Pro. Um, and now they have the MacBook. That's confusing. If you go to iPhone, they have iPhone 6S, iPhone 6S Plus, iPhone 6, iPhone 6 Plus, and then iPhone, iPhone SE. SC. They, they have some real confusion in their product lines. Just Which is so weird, because that's not, that's not and- Apple. Well, it wasn't Apple before, but it's Apple currently, and we have to acknowledge that 
this is a thing that Apple's doing. They still keep a small amount of product lines, but they could fix it by just doing a renaming or fixing the names, which is really what they should do. It's just yeah, it's an, it's annoying that they don't. Yeah, who knows what they'll do once the 7 comes out. And this, I think people are going to start getting excited for that because that's, that's the big overhaul is to say, you know, when they go from a plus to a new number, you know, we'll see what the rumors are. A thing that will get me excited is I want to see them turn iMessage into a full-fledged platform. I want to see something like a message kit. I think that the repercussions that will have be is, is so, so big. Do you think they'll ever do it? They should, but they should have done it a year ago. It's just not an Apple's DNA, and I don't trust them with software, even iMessage. Yeah, but they, they are a great developer platform. I mean, all the great companies we talk about are iOS first. So it's, yes, but they're, it, but do, do you? I don't feel that – I want them to do it, but I don't feel they'll do that even though it's the right decision. You, this is why Facebook's gone in that direction, and they have a huge messaging platform. You should be able to – integrate other things into iMessage. You sh- there should be so much more to it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, like, the, the, whatever they're doing with the car, I feel like that's going to be the next exciting thing. The watch really well, isn't that exciting. Either. The rumors the rumors are that Apple, you know, that some of their top uh, car engineers have left and that the project might be being downscaled or even abandoned. So I don't even know if that's going to be a thing now. Jeez. Uh, one thing that struck me about the very beginning of the presentation was how much Apple used it to position themselves as the good guys with care kit, True. with environment, and the you FBI. know, well, the entire thing is because of the FBI. They want to tell the public and the FBI and the government, we're the good guys. You're being the overreaching bad guys, and we're going to stand our ground, and you're going to try to take down a company that's saving people's lives and works with universities to cure autism and diabetes. What's wrong with you, government? That's the message I got. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good humanitarian positioning. I, I don't know... I don't know where it all goes. We'll find out tomorrow. Tomorrow's a pretty big day for that. Yeah. They have... So, for those who don't know, what tomorrow is when they go in front of the courts, right? Yes, it's tomorrow when they kind of make their, their case to the courts. I don't know if there's going to be a ruling, but I know it's it's supposedly a big deal. Uh, how about, okay, two more things. So Apple TV, they may put out a nice update, Siri voice dictation, um, app folders, things like that, making it more of a platform. I like that. Uh, I want your thoughts, and then I want your thoughts on an idea of whether or not you think Apple should launch a VR headset. I, I mean, we talked about this last week with PlayStation. I, I think they should, right? Because the, the big problem Oculus has is that it's not really attached to any platform. So you have to go buy this crazy souped-up PC and then an Oculus. I think where Apple has an advantage is, all right, well, a lot of people have an iPhone. And you know what? If it's another $400 accessory, that's, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, they could do it, that it's got its own processing on board. Um, I, I don't know if they need to do that, you know, or if they go, like, the Gear VR, but it just it feels like something Apple should do. <clears throat> Especially with the App Store, with their forays and the content. I, I, think, I think they should give it a go. 
if they think it's going to be a big pla- – it, it, it fits Apple's wheelhouse, and it could be an exciting new product line. And it would fit the Apple theme of coming into a market later than everyone else but with a better yeah. product. Because the uh, – well, so the, the disadvantage is the Oculus is a fantastic product. But could Apple do it better? Probably. And yeah, they definitely could. I mean, Oculus is fantastic, but it just – it still feels like such early days – and I mean, you think all the work Apple has done with GPU processing and kind of the A9X chips and that type of stuff, they've they gotta they gotta be having something there. And frankly, like it's a great gaming platform. It's probably one of the top gaming platforms in the world. Well, there is a counter argument to it. So Palmer Lucky was explaining why the Oculus is not supported on Macs and basically saying like every single Mac is just not powerful enough. They don't have the processors. They use the Intel chips. You need a strong, a more, a computer with stronger computing and processing power. So the the VR side, either Apple has to find a way to massively upgrade their machines to support. But it's not the machines. I think it's going to be iOS devices, and that's you know what. You let's say we're realistically two years off from an Apple VR device. What Apple can get combining, okay the hardware that they now control with the graphics chip and the whole stack combined with what they control on software. I mean, look what they're able to get out of, let's say, an iPad, the iPad Pro 13-inch. That's pretty amazing. That's faster than a lot of laptops. And you also have the software get further along. I, I think they definitely can do it. Okay. You know one thing we didn't talk about yet, and that maybe this is just why because it's just not as exciting to either of us the apple watch yeah you know i've got one i I have it sitting on me right now um do you use that thing do you use it every day do you like it? i do use it every day but it's it's still really a glorified fitness tracker i'll tell you it's estimations and i'm a fitness freak are absolutely terrible like the calculations are way off um you know and that bothers me the, like I, honestly, I don't need it. I I like having it only because I get the notifications and I don't need to constantly keep looking at my phone. But it really doesn't do anything wonderful. The apps are still so slow. It's got Iowa, you know, Watch OS 2.0, but nobody's really updated their apps to run faster. I see this trend. The the bigger trend, I think, at the beginning <coughs> is that. The Apple Watch is now two ninety nine. They did the price drop, which means I think more like you could. Some would say economies of scale. It sounds just more as more likely that the demand has not been as high, and so they have to increase the demand. It is not a mainstream product. It is going to be like a smaller niche product, and um, they're going to make money from changing bands and some fashion things. But it's not going to be a huge money maker. I think that's the main thing to take away from it. Yeah, I, I buy that. I agree with that. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the killer app or killer functionality is. And truly, here's the thing: we want to look at everything Apple releases as the next iPhone, the next platform. Like, truth is, it might just be a really awesome accessory. I've never thought of it as a standalone platform. I've thought of it as, oh, this is an awesome accessory to my iPhone. Well, it is an accessory because you have to have an iPhone for it to work. Yep, exactly. And I, 
I think that's probably where it becomes versus Apple TV. Um, I think Apple TV is more interesting as a new as a new platform. All right. Uh, last predictions. What do you think this event's going to do to the direction of Apple? Do you think it, this has any impact? Um, maybe even just as a game between us right now, how much do you think the stock went up or down today? You know what? Nobody ever gets excited about Apple. It's so, or at least <laughs> by nobody, I mean like the stock market's so ridiculous. Most profitable quarter in history of any company. Oh, stocks down. Like people seem to be pessimistic in nature in Wall Street. So I'm going to say stock uh, stock is down. Let's go take a look. It's down point one nineteen cents, which is just crazy. It's like, it is what it is, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, was, it, was, it was up, and then it went down during, uh, bef- it looks like during the event. Yep, yep. That's what they do. All right. We have another topic we need to discuss. We've been talking about Apple for a good long time. The big news in media, Hulk Hogan. Gone. Oh, yeah. So leg, for drop, those, leg drop to the face. So for those who haven't followed this at all, Gawker was sued, I don't, was sued by... Hulk Hogan, after a couple years ago, maybe five now, they published a short excerpt from a Hulk Hogan sex tape of him having sex with his ex-best friend's wife. And Hogan sued them and has bled them of money because of the court proceedings and the court trial. And they went to court for, I don't know, six to ten days. And... The jury overwhelmingly voted in Hulk Hogan's favor. He asked for a hundred million. They gave him a hundred and fifteen, which of course is going to be uh, dropped <coughs> or challenged or something it's else. It's definitely being challenged, but Gawker has to keep fifty million sitting in an escrow account somewhere. It, it depends, but there could be a stay. We'll just be clear: there could be a stay for that. Could um, there be so? Okay. There, there could be a stay by a higher court that they uh, don't have to do that until the appeals process is done. Uh, I think the couple of questions and things is, like, one that people keep on bringing up is, is this a First Amendment issue? Uh, does, is, does, does this have repercussions for other media publications that publish other content like this? You know... Here's my thing. I've always generally liked Gawker as a company. They've been bootstrapped. They pioneered the blog model. So at a high level, I've always liked them there. In terms of the content and the people, you know what? Aside from Nick Denton, let's take whoever the one uh, editor was. It seems like a bunch of assholes, to be honest with you. And it's just like, you know what? There's, There's a certain line that you cross, and there are certain forces that we need in this world. And you know, frankly, publishing private sex tapes, that's, that's not a force we need in the world. Um, but the truth is, you know, the law and First Amendment, it's, it's tough to say what's right and wrong to, to publish. So, but So here's the thing I want to point out. Uh, so I'm, the me- I'm a little bit of the media scholar in this one, and I was looking through. But the basics is that this was a civil suit and not a criminal suit. Uh, there will be mm-hmm. no precedent set from this in general in the court system. It's le- not as much of a First Amendment issue. It's more of a 
don't publish people's sex tape issue, sex tapes issue. Um, the bigger question will be: Is is there going to be such a thing when there's a sex tape that uh, can be published um, and will have the right to be published? Like, for example, if a politician, if a Donald Trump, a Ted Cruz, a Bernie Sanders, a Hillary Clinton had a sex tape and saw a media publication had that, would that be wor- newsworthy enough to publish? Should they publish it? Well, the question is, is what's newsworthy? The actual, let's say, 30 minutes of the sex tape or the fact that you're giving them You're giving them too much credit. 30 minutes? I, you know what I mean. I'm just... I, I think it's I think it's newsworthy. Like so, I guess for Hulk Hogan, it's not newsworthy because it doesn't impact anyone. I think where it gets newsworthy is if you're the CEO of a major company, and it shows violations of ethics. Like if you're sleeping with a vice president or a secretary. So the question is like, how much do you need, right? Like the violation of ethics, which might be let's say sleeping with a vice president of the company. Okay, like you don't need to re- reveal the entire sex tape in its entirety to show that, right? If you had somebody verify that the sex tape existed or you showed 15 seconds of but the it... Impact, but the impact is not the same. In, like, yes, you can, but someone... Well, what if so, that CEO says, Netflix published, I'm not resigning, or was trying to fight it, then do you publish? I mean, it's different than Hulk Hogan because nobody was was affected, and the truth is, should the CEO have to resign, right? If it's a vice president, there's certain company laws that potentially, but... How about, you know, how, we, how about a, a presidential candidate cheating on their wife? You know what? Like, it's, I, I don't think the person should have to resign as president. Now, the question is, can he no, no, get elected it, because he's cheated on his wife? That's a, but, but that's a not the question. Thing. The question is, is it newsworthy to publish that tape if you have proof... But why does the entire tape need to be published? That's a question. But part of it might be because uh, does anything get published? Because if you just say, oh, there's a sex tape, but we won't publish it, people might not believe you. Um, And even if you have outside experts... Well, I think if you have some type of reasonable proof, which could be screenshots or something verified, to me that works just as well, you know? I, I haven't actually watched the Hulk Hogan sex tape, nor do I give a shit to, but do I believe that it was published and authentic or that it happened? Yes. So, I, I guess I'm trying to play a little bit of the devil's advocate here. Right? Yeah, I know. Um, I, I think, in general, it's important to publish personal bedroom lives and sex tapes, but uh, there are situations where publishing it might be important or newsworthy, specifically with politicians and and people who have control over lots of people's lives. And maybe not the entirety, maybe it is just enough proof, but if someone did publish the whole thing um, of a politician and proving that they were cheating on their wife when they said they loved their wife and they never cheated, is that... It, should they be sued for publishing that and bringing exposure to that, even if we don't agree with them publishing the whole thing? That's the well, question I, I want to make. Part of it's also where you got the tape from. If if you're a person on that tape and you did not consent to that footage being out there, I think the people publishing it should be put in a bankruptcy, just like Cocker is about to be. Even even if it's newsworthy, because like yes, yes, it is nobody's right because all you have but are, are they allowed to report, are they allowed the to report on it? 
they go and repair? dive around in the trash for tapes. So, yeah, agree and disagree. Like, if you're if if it's a major politician, you have to report on who it is because it's important to know the character of our candidates, especially if they lie to us. And if our politicians are lying <coughs> to us about something like that, imagine the other things they're lying about. There are aspects where personal life does. Um, does matter. In, well, part know, of it is the question is, has anybody asked them? Now you can say sins of omission. That's true. But that once again comes back to, do you need to publish the entire tape? And I say absolutely not. I'm, I'm going to... I think in almost all cases I agree with you, but I think there are specific special cases where it might be necessary, and this is where I worry... Not about – I don't think this case will have much of an impact on First Amendment. But I do think that when there is that kind of news – if there is that super newsworthy tape or material for a major presidential candidate, a major poli- uh, political or bus- business figure that has a lot of influence, I think this question is going to be raised again and we're going to be pointing to the Hogan thing and whether or not they had the right to sue even if it forces them out of office or something like these are the questions i ask because i come from the journalism side and i want to make sure that we aren't that the journalism community isn't completely muzzled from reporting on such things when it is newsworthy and i think the big thing is to define when it is newsworthy i think you and i agree that hogan was not newsworthy and yeah here's the problem gawker thinks so many things are newsworthy when they're not they're page view worthy like trump like Hulk Hogan's sex tape was page-view worthy. It was not newsworthy. And sadly, page-views and newsworthy are not the same thing. Or thankfully, actually. They, that's not sadly. So, yeah, I... You know, I... I don't know. I think, that, I think the answer is Hogan was not newsworthy, okay? This is really going to be a case-by-case basis. And I think the good comes out of this trial is... We live in an era when most news isn't news, it's BuzzFeed listicles and stupid shit like that, and it's going to make outlets like that think a little bit more. I think that's enough on the Hogan topic. Uh, we, I don't think this case will have a, a much impact because it's a civil case, but we're going to have to ask these questions later on in um, other cases. Absolutely. And if people follow the Hogan case, I mean, it's certainly, certainly interesting. All right, I think we have one more topic we could briefly hit on before we close up this week's episode. Let's, let's take a couple of minutes on it. Why not? Yeah, you want to get this started? Yeah, so I, I believe we're going with Twitter's 10th anniversary. Yep, it, they are 10 years old today. Also, Apple's going to be 40 this year. But Yeah, that, that actually kind of like struck me. Wow, that just hit pretty fast. I remember when they changed on their, their 30th to actual Apple, you know, Apple 8. Right before the iPhone, or right around then, um, it's a pretty pretty fascinating. It's great to see that, God, a company forty years old is still around and absolutely just you know one of the most exciting, if not most exciting, companies in tech. I, I I hope that continues on with many more companies being created, and there's a chance Twitter will be one of them. I mean, people love to say, you know, what's going to happen on Twitter? Who knows what? But Twitter's had such a profound impact. Personally, professionally, news-wise, on the on the world in ten years, that I hope it is around in thirty more. I hope so too, but I don't know if it, in its current state, it can. It is still not a soup, really a profitable company. It's closer. It is not a yeah. um, 
company that is necessarily growing all that much. I don't know about you. I've noticed more and more that my follower accounts and things like that have not grown much, which makes it less exciting in some ways because no matter what I do, I'm not going to suddenly get a whole bunch of new followers, which is frankly part of the adrenaline rush of being on a platform like that. Facebook just has enough scale where people will like it. People will start following, but even that, you know, loses a little bit of its um, charm. So I I worry a little bit. (coughs) I think I love Twitter. Twitter has done tremendous things for my life and for a lot of other people's lives, but it's still... Um, very much uh, more of an insider tool than a general it purpose is. public tool, and I don't know. Yeah. If you can't. I don't know if that can be fixed anymore. People's perceptions of Twitter are kind of set in stone. I don't think you'll ever get my sister to come back and be a full time tweeter or to get interested again. She's already tried it. She didn't like it. She tried it again. She didn't. wasn't into it. It's it's just a thing. Like without some radical new direction and changes, which I don't think would go over well with the current community. I don't see Twitter being a huge thing. I think the maybe the focus has to be on how do we attract that specific audience and monetize it better so that we're profitable and we don't have to answer those questions. Uh, but it's harder when you're a public company. People want you to grow. Yeah, I, listen, my belief has always been I think it's just an incredibly valuable company it probably shouldn't be a public company. It really should be a part of something like Alphabet or Facebook that like just has the financial footing and it can still be independent but not have to worry about the profitability and But you do know, you really think thing. do you really think it would survive under uh, Alphabet for thirty years? YouTube's doing a damn good job. Fair point. I it's one of those like that I really think Alphabet would my, here's my issue with everybody and talking about you know, Twitter and its expectations. They all want it to be big as Facebook. They all want it to be this giant company. You know what? I still think being a, what, $10, $12 billion company that's public, real liquid value is pretty damn impressive. Like, why? Why does it need to be bigger? Like, why? Like, why? Like, and nobody can answer that. The, an- like, well, the answer is because be. you're on Wall Street and they want you to be. And their ambition. Exactly. Like, the thing is, it's, it's probably not made to be a standalone company, and that's that's okay. No, I disagree. I think it is made to be a standalone company, just not a big one. Let's be clear about the differences, you know? But it sounds like Wall Street doesn't let you have you know, no. the luxury. Here's the thing. Wall Street definitely does. There are tons of companies that are worth less than a billion bucks on Wall Street, you know, that, that do okay. The issue is Twitter, just there are expectations on it. Twitter was the awesome, you know, athlete throughout high school and college that people wanted to be the next Tom Brady, and you know what? It's not. Still a pro player, still awesome, but not not the next Tom Brady, and that's okay. <laughs> well, so what would you compare it to, Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't. Know, I don't know enough. I don't know enough uh, football. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna name some football quarterbacks. It could be. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has been was a quarterback from Harvard, who has kind of been a mini journeyman. Sometimes he's been a starter, sometimes he's been a backup, but he's been around the league for a while. Um, he's never won a Super Bowl. He's probably never going to win a Super Bowl. Maybe he gets lucky one year, but he's there and he's dependable, and he clearly has talent. He's just not a Tom Brady. He's not a Peyton Manning. He's not a Drew Brees. He's not even a 
he's not an Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you know maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay. All right, so happy birthday, Twitter. Happy 10th anniversary. We love you. And with that, I think this is a wrap for this week's Oversubscribe. This is a wrap. We'll see you guys next week. We're going to have special guests next week and the week after. We'll announce them on Twitter. So if you want to check, find out what it is, at Ben Poor and at Jason L. Baptiste. Have a good week, guys. Thanks for listening to Oversubscribe with Jason L. Baptiste and Ben Parr. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope you'll share and subscribe. Go to SoundCloud at bit.ly slash oversubscribe podcast or find us on iTunes or TuneIn. Thank you very much for listening. Join us next week.